Welcome to Untangle, the podcast from Meditation Studio. I'm Patricia Karpus. In this series, we introduce you to real people with extraordinary stories and experts who share how meditation and mindfulness practices change our lives. Our podcast is brought to you by Meditation Studio, Apple's pick as one of the 10 best apps of the year. You can download the app in the App Store or on Google Play, and you get over 200 meditations from 30 expert teachers. Such a small investment to sleep better, feel less anxious, and to be more focused and productive. And your one-time purchase of the app helps to keep our podcast going. Give it a try. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We love having you with us. Today, I interview James Colquhoun, filmmaker of documentaries, Food Matters, and Hungry for Change, and founder of FMTV. James, along with his wife, Laurentine, is devoted to giving people the tools to take charge of their own health. James shares the story of how they healed his father's mysterious illness with powerful diet changes, along with meditation practices that inspired self-awareness, self-compassion, and self-care. He believes that food has the power to transform our health. You might call FMTV the Netflix of healthy programming. It's a place where you can access vital health-related information, from inspiring documentaries to interviews and videos. James is truly one of the most energetic and inspiring guys I know. I always leave conversations with him wanting to know how he manages to have so much positive energy all the time. You'll hear how in this interview. Now, here's James. James, welcome to Untangle. I am so thrilled to have you with us today. Hi, Patricia. Great to be here with you. So I want people to hear a little bit about your background and your inspiration because so much of what you've done in your life has been because of something that happened with your dad and turned your life really upside down. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey for you? Sure, Patricia. Yeah, it was something I think a lot of people might be able to relate to, and that's it's chronic illness. And, and statistically, most of us have a family member that's suffering from some form of chronic illness. And for my father, it was really a, a situation where he was a middle-aged uh, you know, professional eating the standard Australian diet, you know, reacting to stress the same way that his, his parents' generation did, which was going down to the pub and drinking beer. And really started to end up with a burnout sort of situation and went to his medical doctor and his GP and they diagnosed him with chronic fatigue syndrome and further, you know, depression and anxiety. And that came with the subsequent medications to treat those conditions. Wow. And those medications really ended up providing some symptomatic support, but then a whole lot of other side effects. And for Laurentine and I, my wife and I, witnessing sort of from the, the sideline, we were studying nutrition at the time and could see there was so much that could be done with nutrition and natural therapies. And yet the mainstream approach was really just about more and more drugs or finding that right cocktail of medications where their side effects are not too many, but not too enough. And you're counteracting each of the drugs. And it was sort of a really tough situation for us to be in and try to try to make an impact on him. And that was really the big catalyst for us to, to kickstart this journey for us. So you were already studying nutrition when he was first diagnosed with this. And did you just immediately sort of glom onto the fact that food 
could have a positive impact in turning this around? It, it was sort of like two parallel journeys, you know, my, as my father was, you know, going down into this illness path, you know, we started to develop really at the, in the early days, just an interest in nutrition. We were starting to read books about nutrition and natural healing. And the, it was really in parallel, these two journeys. And it was a great sort of case study for us to watch what was unfolding with, with my dad. But, but mo most interestingly with this situation was that we were not able to really influence him. And it was really challenging. We were sending him articles and emails and books, and it didn't really help him you know, take the message on board. So we were asking ourselves, how can we get this through to him? I mean, m most children, if they try to lecture their parents on something, they don't tend to, they don't tend to listen. You know, that's the parent's job, right? Right. Uh, and uh, so that was a big challenge for us, and that's where we decided – hey, why don't we go and interview all these people we had been studying and put together some sort of documentary. And, and that was really a big shift because once we took that footage to him, that's when he had the shift. And it was really, it, it taught me that education is such an important part of making a shift, but it can't come from a lecturing overtly evangelical son it has to come from a you know a well-researched doctor or some sort of empirical evidence that's presented in a nice format on a television it makes it a lot easier it's actually funny that you you tried to inspire him to try all of these different healing methods and he wouldn't even though he wasn't getting better and i think it's amazing that you and laurentine really you know, sort of evolved the documentary Food Matters because you wanted to help your father. Well, he saw some of the information in the film and I think that really shocked him. I mean, some of the information in particular is he was on, you know, quite a popular SSRI antidepressant medication, right. which is like a ser serotonin reuptake inhibitor medication of which tens of millions of people are taking in North America alone. And what he saw was that there had been instances where the drug companies had knowingly kept a drug on the market, even though it had dangerous side effects. And in this particular drug's case, it was that the drug company knew that the, the drug caused suicidal effects, but denied it for 10 years. When you come out with a drug, after 10 years, the patent has to be reapplied for. And you have to sort of tinker with the molecular structure of the drug and make some improvements on the previous version, then present that patent application back to the regulatory body. In this patent application, registration, re-registration, it said will not cause the suicidal effects of the previous drug, which is what they denied for 10 years was happening. So this really was a massive sort of chink in the armor for my father. He lost a lot of faith, I guess, in the real ethics and interests of the pharmaceutical industry and really started decided to embrace, you know, a natural approach and, and wanted to get off his medications as quickly as possible. So it was quite a profound transformation for him. Was he taking the medication before he was diagnosed with chronic fatigue? Because you said he had depression and anxiety, or that was what he was diagnosed with. It all sort of came together. It was first chronic fatigue, and then as he was more tired and adrenal burnout and not able to go to work, he was starting to become more depressed because he's losing his identity as a person in society, you know, and then you get more medications, but the side effect of a lot of these medications is anxiety and depression. You know, So it's really a, a slippery slope, and, and the psychotropic medications in particular are quite difficult for people to, to, to be on. Just by showing your father some of this research, 
he was then willing to try some of these things. So how did this all unfold? Once he had that sort of stroke of insight that, wait a minute, these drugs that I've been taking for the last five years are probably not going to heal me. When this information came along, showing him that the body has this innate healing capacity, if you provide the body the nutrients, the environment, and also the, the biochemical environment, which happens from a few different sources, not just food, but thoughts and emotions, of course, which we'll touch on. And this really, it, it struck a chord with him, partly because it was a doctor saying it. <laughs> and we happened to do a good job at presenting it all together in this Food Matters film. So he worked with myself and Laurentine and also a consulting naturopath on putting together a program uh, where he went off all his medications. He went on to high-dose nutrient therapy, so high doses of vitamins and supplements to sort of counteract some of the deficiencies in the drugs that he'd been on. And then also a complete sort of detox and cleanup of his diet. In a three-month period, he was off all his medications. He'd lost 50 pounds and was completely back to normal. Wow. And it was a massive transformation. I had my father back. We had our family back. I mean, just the flow-on effects of having a sick family member and then having someone who's well again, it's just so profound. And it was uh, a huge shift for our family and he's experienced and so have we great health and an amazing emotional, deeper emotional connection uh, over the past 10 years than ever before. So it's been a, a, an amazing transformation for us. And the transformation involved, I mean, so you're saying he went through a detox and all kinds of different methods. Can you talk a little bit like what did he eat? What kind of mm. mindfulness work did he do? What kind of body work did he do? We really focused on the on the mechanics to start with because I think that just to touch on this as a as a concept, I think that we're starting to realize that illness begins in the mind and can end in the mind. And what I mean by this is that not only does it it begins in a way where we have belief systems about our body. Like my father believed that his body had to be handed over to the medical profession in order to be healed. Now, that's a belief system. This is really interesting here. And then when he became exposed to new information, he created a new belief system, which is, wow, my body has an innate healing capacity if I provide it the environment with food and nutrition to be able to heal itself. It's a really intricate connection between the mind and the body. But then when you talk about mindfulness practices, he was not yet at a point to be able to do that. He was really sick and unwell. And it's hard to tell somebody at that level, hey, let's just do some meditation, yeah. especially for someone that, what is meditation? I don't believe in this. Well, now we have great science around it, so I'm sure. And I'll tell you where he ended up after this is, is amazing. But we first focused on the mechanics. So it's like, okay, if I can just change your physical environment of your body through adding in more green plant-based foods, smoothies and juices, transitioning from like breads and pastas to having fresh sprouts for breakfast, you know, like really alkalizing greens, lots of plant-based foods, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, seaweeds, herbs, you know, foods from nature, a lot of those foods. Um, he did still continue to have some eggs and some, some fish, but just a very clean, natural diet made up of 60 to 80 percent plant-based foods a lot of raw foods and no processed foods i mean it's quite a simple prescription but sometimes the most simple prescriptions can be the most profound well especially if you're breaking a habit right In, indeed indeed and so this was a huge shift for him on the diet side and then we had some nutritional therapy with 
vitamin C, omega-3 fatty acids, the B vitamins, which are particularly important for brain health, in particular B3 niacin. He was also eating lots of cashews as well. And, you know, two handfuls of cashews provide the equivalent to a therapeutic dose of Prozac in terms of the serotonin that it will help provide to the brain. And then after we did that work, it shifted him and he started to heal. He started to lose weight. He started to feel better. He started to get his life back. And it was from that point that we were really able to start adding in some of those mindfulness practices. You know, the meditation, the stillness, the relaxation, the yoga nidras, these types of processes to really switch off that flight or fight response, that stress response. Because if the body is in a constant state of stress, it cannot heal. And this is where he was living in stress because he was anxious. And anxious is a stress or an anxiety about a future event that may or may not happen. And that puts the body into a flight or fight stress response. And when you're in that place, you cannot heal. And so it was really, it, it was a com combination of, of these factors that really helped expedite his transformation. Were you and Laurentine already living your life in this way where, I mean, I know you were doing the film, but were you already eating this way or were you sort of on this journey trying a lot of these things with him? We were sort of quite new on our journey then. So we were a little bit experimental in our approach. I mean, we were very much into lots of raw food and uh, at that stage, and now we have a bit more of a balance between raw and cooked. So I think you, you oscillate depending also on time of life, time of season, stage of life. Are you having a baby? Are you 23 and just want to be fit and healthy? Uh, you know, there's so many different reasons to consume different sort of dietary philosophies. And I think that does evolve over time and you need to stay nimble in your approach. You know, there is a balance that you discover when you, when you go through a nutritional journey. And it also, it's a bit of a spiritual journey because I think if you really attach to one particular dogma, you're judgmental to others who do not believe in that same philosophy. And you're judgmental to yourself if you go off track from that philosophy. So that's if you're a, we've got so many labels now, like a vegan or a vegetarian or a paleo yeah, if you believe in the label, it becomes difficult if you need to change for some reason, or it's also not great because you judge other people. I'm curious if you're, is your dad still eating healthy? Is he healthy? So he was an accountant and a company auditor, this really straight man with the perfect clean BMW and the mowed lawn. Now his lawn has been ripped up and there's over 200 different edible species of plants in his oh garden at home God. now. That's yeah, I mean, I picked them up. From, I picked them up from the airport a few months back, and it was dark when we got home. And they're like, "Quick, quick, come inside!" And they got a torch, and they went outside. They're like, "Look, the Indian gooseberries are ripe," and I'm like, "Whoa, these guys have literally gone for it. They really, you know, grabbed the bull by the horn, so to speak." And and now, like I said before, you get the food right, it really opens up that pathway to do a lot more work in the mindfulness space. And they're doing a lot of meditation now. My dad's actually expressed an interest even in doing a yoga teacher training program. And they're going to chanting retreats and doing meditations. They're doing meditation every morning now. Like, I mean, it's a complete transformation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And what about you and Laurentine? Like, what is a diet like for you now? Sure. I, I think our diet has evolved a lot over the past, say, 10, 15 years. And I think it naturally does. Um, I think where we're at now is really subscribing to this philosophy. And I don't want to create a new ideology, but it's a nice way to describe it, of being a qualitarian. 
And what, what I mean by that is that it's, it's really about focusing on quality over one particular ideology or philosophy. When I say quality, to me it means local, it means in season, it means fresh and raw at a high level as well, where possible. It means not eating animal products that are grown in inhumane ways or that are fed a diet they're not meant to be fed. I mean, for example, domesticated cattle should not be fed genetically modified corn, wheat, and soy. We know it makes them sick, and then they end up on antibiotics, and we're eating sick animal products. That's part of the reason we have such a sick culture at the moment. I just, I just really eat whole foods now, and, and, and I, I feel great doing it. I, I don't eat many grains, not many. I do eat some, uh, but I don't, do, I don't do well on processed grains. Uh, I eat real food, and I feel great. I've known you now for five years, and every I don't see you that often, but when I do see you, you have more energy than anyone that I know, and your face is so bright and light. And then when I, I haven't met your wife yet, but she, you, the two of you just look like you're, you know, the picture of health. So I think something fabulous must be working. What was it like when Laurentine was pregnant and then giving birth to your little boy who's now four. And I'm curious how, you know, what kind of a diet you had your baby on. I think it's a great question. In the early stages of, I guess, of the last trimester, but also in his early stages of life, you know, you really have to look at what you're doing. You're building a child and, and you're building organs and they are fat-soluble organs. Um, they, they need fat-soluble vitamins, sorry, like A, D, E, and K. So, you know, some of Hugo's first foods were quite traditional, rich, fat foods to help him develop his brain and those organs. So obviously breast milk is fantastic, but then things like cod liver oil or caviar or fish eggs or eggs, you know, these were things that were in his palate early on uh, and he's developed a, a, a taste for them obviously green vegetables pumpkin sweet potato uh, kumara these sort of things he was just in love with and still is today yeah so i mean he has a fun diet a great diet but now he's you know he's like you said he's nearly nearly four now three and a half four he's a kid and one thing i really am careful of though is not creating any nevers or no's or bad around food you know to have a bad emotional relationship with food is not a great place to start your life and it's not a great place to even be in life with that relationship so i will eat pizza and have a beer and i'll love it you know and i'll i'll, I'll put my hands out i'll give it a little blessing which i do to all my food before i eat it freaks people out on blains but it, it, <laughs> it just gives me a moment to be still and prepare my body for digestion and also to give thanks for food because I've met a lot of people around the world that don't have a daily meal. But I enjoy everything I eat and I, if I don't eat something perfect, I don't beat myself up. And this is a big trap that a lot of healthy people might fall into and I try to urge you to play with this and have a bit of a game with it. Yeah. Eat really well and then go out and have some pizza and a beer and just really love it and, and, and make peace with it and be relaxed about it and don't think it's bad because if you – end up almost too stressed out about the way you eat, you're going to be doing more damage in the long run. And 
Uh, I think we have to develop a healthy relationship with food, which means you're at peace with your food and you eat well when you can and you control your food and you eat really well, but then you don't freak out or beat yourself up if you don't eat well. And I'm trying to bake that in with Hugo as well. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. So it's really just, there's the emotional component of a relationship with food, which I think is, is fun and just continuing to keep educating. Oh, if you have too much of that, you might get a sore belly. Okay. 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 Then that's let him decide. Well, let's talk about the emotional relationship to food because I've, I've been thinking about that a lot lately as we create meditations for the meditation studio app. And also as you know, I've interviewed some people on uh, freedom from emotional eating. Where do you think that comes from, our relationship to food? And I mean, do you think it's about the food or do you think it's about our emotional life or how do you think about that? That's a great question. I think there's sort of two core elements here. One, our olfactory system is, is a very trigger sensitive system in that if you have a particular food that you were having as a child and then there was an, a particular emotional memory at that time, you're going to link those two together. Your body and your subconscious will link those two together for you. So if you have a particular cookie, um, chocolate chip cookie, and say mothers love and reading stories at bedtime. So that there's this warm, fuzzy feeling. And so sometimes if you're on your own, you're, you're at college or you're, you're going through a bit of a midlife funky time and you're not feeling well, it's cold and you feel abandoned, uh, what are you subconsciously going to be attracted to eat? Chocolate chip cookies because you want that warmth. You want that relationship back in your life. You know, additionally, what happens with food, and this is, you know, a lot we spoke about in the Hunger for Change documentary we made after Food Matters, was that we tend to also have this subconscious relationship where we, if we have an emotional void, we try to fill it with food because it's such a, it's, it can be such a subconscious activity of ours just to eat for the sake of eating. And so you've got, you eat a particular type of food to trigger a particular memory, either consciously or subconsciously. But then on top of that, there's just this general theory, which is quite well proven by a lot of people that experience this, is that if you have an emotional situation, instead of moving towards a practice to help you move through that, such as a meditation or a yoga or some sort of movement or breath work, there's a shortcut that we've developed, which is just called eating to excess or binge eating or binge drinking for that matter. And this is really an, an addiction component behind, you know, having that third person awareness to be able to say, hang on, I'm experiencing something here. Am I going to choose to binge eat or am I going to choose to do some practices in order to help me work through this? And I think that that takes time and that takes practice, but it also takes education and awareness. And I think that that's where, you know, resources like yourself, like Meditation Studio or the documentaries we have on our, on our TV channel, FM TV, can really help to give people the tools and the habit training necessary in order to be able to bake in some of these processes and really help people to find alternative ways of doing it. Because by the time you're 35, 99% of your conditioning has been done. And it's courtesy of your parents and your environment. And this is just true in what we understand about human behavior. And no matter how cognizant our conscious brain is, or how cognizant we are as a human, we're still driven a lot by those subconscious patterns that we have. And it, it's, it's an important process to be able to identify some of them 
acknowledge where they come from and then also do some work on how you can move through those through those blocks so it's it's a it's an exciting process and i think it's called life right it's called life it's called having having challenges and seeing them as opportunities and and going great how am i going to move through this this is going to be a bit of fun i'm i'm open to learn well i'm so glad that you're you're thinking about that component in addition to nutrition because i think they do go hand in hand you really can't eat well, if you've developed these patterns that you have trouble shifting. And so I, I love this idea of having like a mindfulness practice or guided visualization or, I mean, you mentioned mm -hmm. many of them that go with sort of these changes in your, in your diet. You are passionate about your work and you created two documentaries, Food Matters, Hungry for Change, which you've mentioned briefly. And you have a business that you run called FMTV, which is, uh, let's call it like what, a Netflix for health and wellness? Sure, um, yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit about those businesses. And I mean, I think it's such an inspiration to have you be so passionate about all of this and have these great businesses. I am so grateful to be doing what I do. I, I get to do what I love. And I think that's the ultimate mission and vision for a human. If you get to do something you love, then it, it life is, is fun. And I, I really think about what I do is really helping people to reprogram themselves to become a better version of themselves. And we become programmed because of, like I said, our upbringing, our parents' thoughts, our belief systems, uh, what we see on TV. Um, the news, the mainstream media, and that causes us to act and think in a certain way, either consciously or subconsciously, and that causes the outcome of our life. And so let's look at our life. Are we happy? Are we, are we content? Are we healthy? Are we fit? Are we where we want to be? Do we have the relationship we want? Do we have the, the free time we want? Do we have the health? Do we have the body we want? Do we have the energy we want? Do we have the positive emotions and happiness and, the, and that sense of community and love that we want? And most people are not going to answer yes to all of them. They might say, look, I'm 80% on those ones, but I'm 20, 30% on the other ones. And that's okay. And we all do have a high vision for our lives and for each of us, each of ourselves individually and for our families. And so how do we achieve that next level of our life's experience? We have to really dig deep into how we've been programmed, shift those programs through access to really good quality education and new information that's going to help us evolve that pathway and then move into better quality decisions. My job is to really help open up the possibility for people to reprogram and to make, make different decisions, better quality decisions, and move to a better quality life. And I really want people to experience that because the more I can help people shift into happiness, joy, abundance, health, well-being, the better they're going to be able to serve their families and their communities and even sort of helicopter out the view on their conscious impact in their world and help serve other people. As we move and shift our consciousness in that way, we become more empathetic, we become more caring, we become better people and we become better neighbors. And as we do that, we become a better people on this earth and we give it a chance of actually thriving instead of dying. So I think that it's a, it's a big, big story and it's something I'm really happy to be a part of. And I'm a, I'm a small part of it, but together with you know your app, and our films and what all the other people in this wonderful space are doing is really trying to elevate all of us individually so that we can serve each other and the world at a higher level. And I think it's an exciting prospect and, and, I, and I love being a part of it. And I want to welcome anybody who's challenged by things in their life and they're not happy with certain areas of their life to, to join us and I can help them show them a new possibility. 
I love, love, love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much, James. I am so grateful to have had you on the show today. Patricia, great chatting with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to James for his powerful insights and boundless energy. You can find more on FMTV at fmtv.com. And if you haven't seen his documentaries, Food Matters and Hungry for Change, now is a great time. If you have feedback or suggestions for guests, email us at patricia at meditationstudioapp.com. And don't forget to check out Meditation Studio in the App Store or on Google Play. We'll see you next week.